for me and, you know, in thinking and talking about Nesterly and home sharing, you know, I would like to reiterate that it is a win, win, win. So it is a win for the host who's earning that additional income. Um, it is a win for the, the guest who's getting that reduced rent, that more flexible kind of lease agreement. Um, socially, it is a win for both of them. But really, the community at large also benefits from, from the intergenerational home sharing. We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios in the Brewery District, just south of downtown Columbus, Ohio. Hi, this is Brett. Carol and I have discussed many issues impacting seniors in our community. However, one issue has literally exploded in central Ohio, and we're probably not alone, uh, for those of any age, and that's housing. We wanted to delve into that topic and discover more on the resources available to seniors aging in place at home. Brett, you know, I am so thankful that we have our two guests joining us today on this topic because it's such a critical issue. It seems like no matter who you're talking to, housing comes up, particularly when you're talking about seniors. Um, their information and expertise are going to provide our audience with not just tips, but valuable information on the steps needed to keep seniors in their home, but keep them safe and secure. So let's welcome Francis Crumholt, who is the Volunteer and Engagement Coordinator for the Central Ohio Area Agency on Aging, and she's also the local liaison for the Nesterly program. We also have Donald Wiggins, the Executive Director of Village Connections, which covers the Columbus downtown area, as well as the communities of German Village, Schumacher Place, the Brewery District, and Marion Village. So, Francis and Donald, thank you so much for joining us today. Great. Thanks so much for having us. Good. Yeah, good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, before we get into details on the <clears throat> programs, uh, let's first learn a little bit about each of you, your backgrounds, and how you moved into this area of senior services, uh, specifically addressing the housing situation. Uh, Francis, let's, let's start with you. Sure. So my personal interest in housing actually goes all the way back to my undergraduate days. Um, one of my majors at The Ohio State University was sociology. Um, and within that focus, I actually developed an independent study course where I could really dive deep on homelessness. That was one of the issues, you know, that's kind of threaded throughout that sociology study that was really interesting to me. Um, since then, my professional experience has been in different nonprofits here in Central Ohio, and so I've been able to see, again, a lot of different issues that kind of overlap and interplay into that housing space. Um, I've now been at COAAA for about four years, and I've been really fortunate to have this intergenerational home-sharing focus be a through-line of that work. Um, I've worked on other projects and programs as well, um, but this is something that has kind of been consistent throughout my four years here. Um, and as you mentioned in the intro, um, and we're certainly seeing at our agency, is that housing is just an increasingly urgent focus area for us. Yeah, Wonderful. Hmm. Great. So I have a somewhat different background. Um, I spent 28 years with Federated Department Stores. Locally, it was Lazarus, and I managed stores and was a regional for them. Um, I managed their volunteer program for the state of Ohio. So I worked with a lot of nonprofits um, in, in that aspect. Um, as far as my role here with um, Village Connections, I spent the last six years um, prior to my joining this organization um, taking care of my aging in-laws in conjunction with my wife at home, and so I saw many, many, um, many, many things that I'd hoped would be different. You know, we were fortunate we could keep them in their own home, um, but we didn't have the resources that we needed. Um, and so <clears throat> when this opportunity came up, I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to help older adults. Um, and now, you know, I, I know the resources, I know who to call, I know all those things that I wish we would have had Right. Because it would have made it a lot easier. You know, that's interesting. Both of you um, have <clears throat> our progression lines are, are connecting. I took care of my parents, and I can remember back in the mid-70s when they bought their ranch home, and they're, you know, they were so excited because 
there were no steps in this ranch home, so they could get around. They forgot there was a step between the kitchen and the rec room Mm -hmm. and between the rec room and the garage. So when my dad had a stroke, that was it. I mean, even one step made a huge difference in their life. Um, And Francis, I have to tell you, Brett and I have a little bit of a game that we play because I have more OSU people scheduled to come on to uh, and Otterbine um, to to the podcast than his Miami Uh alum. Well, there's and, nothing about distance on it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. But also, you know, we sociologists have to stick together. There we go. So. Yes. Uh, uh, I just had to get my plug in there. So. <laughs> yep. So, um, so thank you for that information about, about your backgrounds. Um, you know, seniors do prefer to remain in their homes and age gracefully, which I always thought was sort of an interesting um, comment or phrase because, needless to say, We've seen the uh, the other thing happen, and it's aging in place, but not aging gracefully. Um, they but they want to remain independent. We know how moving is stressful. We've all been through that, and and you know, again, we what do we what do they do with their stuff? We've gotten rid of our parents' items, and and it's not easy. Um, folks don't want to leave their community, their friends, their neighbors. Um, and we know that loneliness is a concern, particularly since COVID. It's really come around. They are emotionally tied to that family home where they raise their children. You know, fear of the unknown is debilitating. And we have 75,000 homeowners in Franklin County who are over 65. Tell us about the number of people that you are serving in your programs and the, the people that are coming to you for help. Maybe you can't actually bring them in as a client, but just the, the things that you're hearing. Donald, yeah. tell us about what you're hearing. Great, thank you. So, really, if you look at the if you look at the the most recent census, there are nine over almost ninety four thousand people sixty five and older that live in Franklin County. Mm-hmm. Um, the the homeowners is one thing, but you know we we serve people who live in apartments and whatever. It's really an age thing for us. Um, and collectively, I would tell you that um, there are, as you all know, there are other villages here in the city. I think we're serving probably around 800 people collectively uh, within the villages here in the city, which that's not even 1% of the folks. So there's tremendous opportunity out there to, uh, to have that whole awareness and that the opportunity is there um, it's very easy as a child to make the decision for your parents that it's time for them to move to assisted mm-hmm. facilities. And, um, you know, it's it may be necessary. You know, there may be things that preclude you making that that decision. However, if you take a step back and look at the reality of where they are in their life, the worst thing that you can do is take that independence away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, people who live, it's a, it, the statistics are, out, are overwhelming. People who are able to stay in their homes, they're healthier, they're happier. And in most cases, they, well, they're thriving because they're just, you're not taking them away from everything they know. Mm-hmm. You know, first thing you want to do is take their car away and then you go in the house and say, you need to get rid of this stuff. That's their stuff. That's their history, you know, mm-hmm. that's their life. And we just do that too often where we just strip them of everything and that's debilitating. debilitating. Yes, it, it is. And are you are you hearing are people calling your office with questions that are, you know, outside of the village parameters that are are even I mean, I, I guess my my fear is that because people are trying so hard to stay in their home, other things are becoming even more desperate. I mean, just financially, anybody who thinks that moving out of your house is is good financially has no. not <laughs> looked at the cost. Yeah, of they haven't looked at the cost homes. of a facility. Yeah, that's for exactly. sure. Yeah. Um, no, and the other thing is, is that you know, um, I swore I would never talk about COVID again, but COVID really. Mm-hmm made a lot of our our members in particular made their families glad that they had not pushed them to leave their homes 
because I'm happy to tell you, we, and I can't speak for the other villages, I can only speak for ours here, um, we didn't have a single member come down with COVID. Oh, that's wonderful. Because, you know, we made the we made the conscious effort to schedule appointments for them to get their vaccines. We scheduled rides so that we could get them to their vaccines. Um, and then we had a myriad of things, which we'll talk about later, that, that just kept them going. So Very good. Very know. good. Yeah. Francis, tell us about Nesterly. Yeah. So for, well, first I do want to just give, you know, the quickest of plugs to my agency in general. So COAAA serves nearly 15,000 people and, and that's an eight county region. That's not just Franklin County or Columbus, um, but still not an insignificant number of folks who we are um, connecting with services and information to help them continue to age in their home. Um, for Nesterly, which we had the the inauspicious timing of launching in fall of 2019, <laughs> um, we have had um, about 100 hosts sign up to create an account um, and about 400 guests. So lots of people who are who are interested in finding a room. Um, and, uh, you know, a little bit slower, I think, traction in um, finding hosts who are a right fit for the program. Um, but we're really excited to to continue to grow that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, we kind of touched upon this earlier that the, the, the reasons are in, 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 to the infinity that to keep an older adult from remaining home. I mean, it could be the cost or rent a mortgage is going to be high or, you know, on that fixed income, property taxes, uh, as we just talked about too, maneuvering in the home or just because of their health. Uh, I want to start with Francis. Could you tell us about your programs and how they address these issues? I mean, could you also provide some examples of has to how you have supported the clients in, with this too? Sure. So I'll start off with just kind of a couple of definitions because, again, you know, well, 500 users total isn't a huge number. A lot of people might not be familiar yet with Nesterly. Um, we are an intergenerational home sharing platform. Um, it's all online. And home sharing, just to start with that, it's just a living arrangement where two or more people who are not related um, share a home together. So a lot of us have already home shared, even if we're not necessarily, we weren't necessarily naming it home sharing when we were doing it, but a lot of us have you know, lived with a roommate, um, that type of thing. I think that coming, approaching home sharing with an intergenerational lens um, is really interesting and just has outsized positive impacts um, for both parties there. Um, you know, for thinking about Nesterly specifically, you know, COAAA partnered um, with Nesterly, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about that origin story shortly, but, you know, our our goal was to make it safe and easy for people to home share, um, you know, and some of those benefits, the, the financial ones are the most obvious, I think, um, you know, hosts are receiving this additional earned income every month. Um, so that can help with, you know, whether it's a rising property tax or we're, we're all seeing this increased cost of living, um, it certainly helps with that. Um, and on the guest side of the equation, it's going to be a much more affordable um, place to live than kind of the standard rent that is out there in the market. Um, but we then get to see all of this fun kind of social benefit as well, um, which we know also has an outsized impact on physical well-being. Um, so it's helping with mental health. It's helping with build out those social networks and just camaraderie. Um, but that has physical health impacts as well. One of the tools within Nesterly, too, to, to kind of help out with that um, is something that they call the task exchange feature. So if a host is looking for some additional help around the house, um, you know, things like, you know, mowing the lawn, uh, you know, we've got springtime right now. So th starting to think about some of that basic lawn maintenance or, you know, someone who's willing to run out to, to do the grocery run on a weekly basis, they can actually build that into the home share agreement um, and find a guest who's willing to do those extra chores around the house in exchange for um, a, a greater reduction in rent. So, again, kind of providing that win-win within the home. The, the, I think the one thing I want to uh, touch base on that you've mentioned is that Nesterly in your position – 
you're ensuring the safety of the individual who the older adult who is doing who is hosting. Yep. So that they're not going out on the limb financially. You're doing the background checks, all those kinds of things. I that's what I love about Nesterly is that it's really um, it's helping the younger person in terms of of a lower cost of of rent and, and living, but it's definitely helping the older person because when we're talking about all the scams and things that are going mm-hmm. on, this this precludes that from happening. Absolutely, and it's really you know the protections are there. I think the hosts and the guests they both benefit from that. Um, they run, they do about four or five different background checks. Um, it requires an application. Nesterly will check references. Um, there's built-in payment processing also, so all of that is automated. Um, and, you know, we do everything in our power to make sure that it's a, a, a seamless, positive experience. But if any issue does come up, then there's a whole team that is there that can, you know, respond um, to things early on and kind of step in and help mitigate if necessary. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There's just so much peace of mind that is um, tied up with going through a vetted resource. Is that the typical um, like a year agreement lease kind of feel to it or is it a different variable lengths of time? Different lengths of time. So locally on average, we see about six months. Okay. Um it, the the only requirement, I suppose, it's got to be a minimum of 30 days. Okay. So it's not for a short-term stay. You know, we really do want this to be truly a home share, right? You're living with somebody. Um, so at least 30 days. Um, but yeah, on average, we okay. see about six months. Okay. So we provide, um, we provide <laughs> rides to medical appointments. We grocery shop for folks. Um, we do not provide in-home health care, but we have vetted resources that we can refer people to. We don't, you know, we don't endorse anybody in particular. But the one thing that um, that all of our villages will do is if somebody's looking at a resource, we'll provide a volunteer as a second set of eyes or ears to be there with them so that somebody's hearing. Because, you know, we serve a lot. Seventy-eight percent of the people that we serve in Village Connections are single households, mm-hmm. um, and most of those are single women. So we always try to make sure that you know that protective barrier is built in there, and for their safety, and also for their well-being and their concern. Um, as far as you know, you know we're membership-based, so there is a fee to belong to the village. Um, it's a very nominal fee. Um, I guess it's okay to say the um, fee for a single individual, single person household is $500 annually. It's $750 for a two person or more household annually. Um, I had somebody question me once and say, oh my gosh, that sounds like a lot of money. Well, when you hear $500, $500 is a lot of money, but if you're, we had a, a person sign up about a year ago who visits the James twice a month. Twice a month, round trip Uber was $65 a trip. Mm-hmm. So you think about that. That's $130 a month. It won't be long to their membership is more than paid for itself. And that didn't include the fact that we were grocery shopping with this individual every week. So it's really... Um, it's really cost effective. The other thing that we do um, is we break it down for them. If you know, if it's a single person, if it's easier for you to pay for forty-five dollars a month, you know what? We're happy to do that, or however you want to do it. We just want to make it easy. What we want is to make sure that you have the resources you need to be comfortable and stay where you're comfortable. Right. So, and, and you're you're focusing <clears throat> in on not just that somebody can stay at home, but those kinds of things that are uh, most, that make them most vulnerable. The fact that they may or may not be able to drive. The fact that even if they have to go to the doctor, Uber's going to drop them at the door. What do they do from the door into the building? Those are the, you know, grocery shopping. Those are the kinds of things that um, are, it, it's not just a service, it's a security blanket around that individual. Yeah, absolutely, because we have we require that that 
when we pick you up for a medical appointment that our volunteers, we're totally volunteer driven, we're volunteer powered organization, if you will. Um, and we require that you go to the door, get the member, help them into the car. When you get to, the, to, to their appointment, um, you park as close as you can or let them out and tell them, sit there, I'll be right there with you. We take them in, we get them checked in, um, and then they have the option to either stay or the member can call when they're done and you go back in the building in the, to the, the doctor's office and get them. So it's that personalized service and security for them that they know that they're not out there alone. Um, so, the familiar face. Yeah. 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 That, that's so valuable. Right. When, when, some, when you call somebody and say, you know, uh, Francis is going to be your volunteer tomorrow. I don't think I know Francis. Well, you probably do, but if you don't, Francis is going to call you to, the night before, and she's going to introduce herself. She's going to tell you what kind of car she's in. Um, you know, if you take an Uber, if you're not out there, boom, they're gone, and you still pay for that appointment. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is, is that, oh, that's right, you have to have a smart device to use Uber. 25% of our folks don't have the internet or have a smartphone or any way to do mm -hmm. those sort of things. So. Mm -hmm. I think he just volunteered you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. 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 I mean, the CAAA office isn't too far away. No. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, um, I don't, Brett and I have talked about both of these programs, and I'm so excited because in my time as the director of a nonprofit serving seniors, I've seen these programs grow and um, how it people kind of look at you like, what? What are they talking? Nesterly? Never heard of it. How did how did these programs end up in Columbus? I think that this is a, a, a really interesting background um, for each. And, and um, Donald, let's go ahead and talk to us about the villages. OK, well, that I'm, I'm happy to do that. So this concept of village life started in the Boston area, in Beacon Hill, um, and um, one of the one of our now members um, saw an article about this in the New York Times, and she brought it to the German Village Society uh, Long Range Planning Commission. And um, is it okay if I use her name? Would she want you to use her I, name? I don't think she'll care. Go for she it. She should be very happy. Give so her, Give her a shout out. That's right. Um, so, you know, Janet Druin and Ed Elberfeld are our founders, okay? They brought this concept to the German Village um, Society Long Range Planning Commission, and they said, you know, is this something that we can do here? And, you know, the German Village Society thought, yeah, this is good, but... The missions are different because the German Village Society is about historic preservation. Well, I think there's something connected there, but they didn't think so, quite honestly. So, but, um, you know, there was a lot of discussion around, around it. And so the German Village Society then was very instrumental in helping us get our 501c3. We're a, a freestanding 501c3. And... Um, I'm happy to tell you that we just celebrated our 10th birthday last year. Isn't that incredible? Um, yeah. Village Connections was the first village in central mm -hmm. Ohio. And, you know, it's just grown since there. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I think that Village in the um, Ville, I think they started in 2012, May, or not 2012, I'm sorry, 2014, I believe. And then in 2019... We, it started growing, and now there's a greater Columbus network of villages. So we have seven villages now. We cover our, our area. There's another village that um, covers the short north and goes up to Clintonville. There's one in Clintonville. There's one on the hilltop. There's one on the near east side. One just opened about four months ago, Francis, five months ago, in Arlington, been, I mean, what a great place for mm -hmm, a, a village. Right. And then there's actually a village in Union County, which I applaud those folks because mm -hmm. they travel miles to service their, their right. people. 
So. I, isn't there also a village type of program in Dublin? And There's a senior, I think a senior program. Westerville has a senior program. You know, Bexley, when I joined, Bexley was on the verge of jumping into a village concept. And then when the uh, politics changed there, it kind of shut down. But they now have a 55-plus senior program, mm -hmm. but it's mainly a program for, um, you know, socialization right, activities. Right. They don't do services. Well, and and I, that's one of the things I wanted to <coughs> shout out with my with our audience is that the village program has expanded across the country. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast and you don't live in central Ohio, it may be um, close to your home and you don't realize it. We will have in our show notes links for you to take a look and see where the other village programs are located. Yeah, they're all across the country now. Um, and the Village to Village Network is headquartered in St. Louis. Okay. All right. So, well, and I would say that German Village is as close to Beacon Hill as we could ever <laughs> Well, that's why that that's why Janet and Ed thought, you know, it's similar neighborhood concept and right. whatever. And, um, you know, they did a lot of um, interest, you know, community interest surveys and whatever. And, um the rest is history. Well, in 10 years, you all have been really, like, really hitting it for the 10 years. Thanks. We, it's, it's, I'll tell you, it's, it's a very rewarding thing. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I'd like to point out, though, is that when, when the, at the inception, they really believed they, those who were, you know, pulling this all together, thought it was all going to be about transportation. Mm -hmm. And we learned very, very quickly um, in the organization that it really, the social, socialization piece and component were the most important things. Mm -hmm. So that's why um, during COVID, we had hotlines, you know, that we were talking to people once a week. We had telephone conversations. We had volunteers calling people. We had members calling members you know it's that just keeping people connected is right. so important and audience also you may not <clears throat> need services from a village a local village but you may be interested in being a volunteer so again check our show notes for more information we'll have a list of all those all of the villages here in central ohio as well as those links for you to find them across the country right. perfect so, now it just happens that nestor lee is like down the road, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so yes. Uh, Nestor Lee also uh, had its uh, founding in Boston. Um, it was actually developed by an MIT student named Noelle Marcus. She is um, still the CEO. Um, so she launched it in 2017, and she kind of came about it in a in a different direction, right? So. Um, at COAAA, we were interested kind of first and foremost uh, with the aging lens and the older population that we serve. Um, Noelle's initial curiosity was just about kind of housing and urban planning. Mm -hmm. And through her studies, learning the sheer number of unused bedrooms in these major metropolitan areas was a, a real sticking point for me, so or a sticking point for her, excuse me, um, you know, that there were lots of people who had raised their families in their home, and meanwhile, their kids had grown up, moved out. You know, they're still very in, very happy in their home, but, you know, had additional space they weren't using. So she um, also had the personal experience of having lived in an intergenerational home and recognized a lot of the benefits of those types of relationships. So she just kind of put together all of those puzzle pieces and knew that people would be more comfortable with the idea of home sharing if there could be kind of some safety parameters in place. Um, so she was able to build out this platform um, that initially was just operating in Boston. Um, and a lot of the uh, leaders here in central Ohio heard about it and thought, hey, that's interesting. I wonder if that could work here. Um, an, an initial introduction was actually forged by um, the, the Age-Friendly Innovation Center, um, and we were trying to figure out kind of who, who the best home for that would be, um, and COAAA was excited to be able to bring it on board, again, because housing is such a prevalent issue, 
Um, because we know all of the benefits of intergenerational programming, it was really um, kind of doing a lot of things simultaneously. So, um, you know, a lot of those initial conversations preceded my time at the agency, um, but it's been very fun to pick up the baton um, and to kind of continue to, to talk about this idea of intergenerational home sharing and how it can benefit our community. When you look at this population, <clears throat> as you said, um, predominantly older females living alone, and likely if they had children, grandchildren, they're scattered across the country. Now, in my world, I've seen a lot of the grandparents follow the kids and the grandchildren, but that's not always possible. Mm -hmm. um, but what a great way to not only help a young person in terms of lower cost rent, but to add that dimension of sort of the quasi-grandmother. And if, how much value is that? That's Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. There was um, a piece, this was covered by a, a national morning news show, um, and they did an interview. And, you know, one of the things that the host pointed out was exactly that, just the energy um, that having this young person in her house just how that changed the dynamic of her daily mm -hmm. living experience that, you know, she'd ask her her guest, you know, her tenant technically, you know, hey, what are your what are your plans this evening or what are you doing this weekend? And, you know, her the guest would be able to say, oh, I'm going out to dinner with some friends. We're, you know, celebrating having just turned in this big paper and that the host herself was just so excited and was like, show me what you're going to wear, you know, just <laughs> truly you know, completely changing her energy for the day versus if she had been in her house by herself. Right. And yeah. and also a, a reason to make chocolate chip cookies. There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> maybe I could find, maybe I could be a tenant as a host. Yeah. Host. That would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. Well, are there other programs around Central Ohio or even around the country or state um, that also support seniors to remain in their home? Let's start with you, Francis. Sure. Um, there are lots of different programs, and I would encourage folks to reach out to COAAA. Um, we're kind of, you know, a standard, you know, they they call it this like no wrong, no wrong door policy. But if you call our main um, reception desk, we'll be able to get you connected. So whether those are programs that we, you know, operate or provide case management for, or if we're able to refer you to another organization. But there are so many things. There are so many social groups, senior centers, home delivered meals, home health aides, lots of different supports that you can get. Because we also know that even within, you know, aging in home, aging in your longtime home, that can mean a lot of different things depending on where you are in your your aging process. Um, and so COAAA is a great place for those resources. Or even if you're providing care, we're also part of the National Caregiving Network. Um, so if you're a family caregiver or caring for a spouse, you need support too. And so COAAA is there to provide, again, that same support to help keep everybody in the home um, safe, comfortable, supported. You know, it's it, what's I think most important about calling your office, you have a team of experts who, if they don't know the answer right off the top of their head, they're willing to look for the answer for you. Mm -hmm. um, and when I became caregiver with my parents, that's exactly what I had done is call COAAA, call Franklin County Office on Aging just for information. Listeners, the worst problem we have is we don't know what we don't know. And if you can't locate a number to call and start talking to somebody who has the this expertise and and list of resources it's very frustrating mm -hmm. and so it that's what's most important is is to use the resources central ohio is blessed with the resources that we have mm -hmm. right. well a similar question to you donald i mean you're the first village to really jump on this village idea if you've had calls from around the country around the state how did you do this how are you doing this? We actually have mentored a few other um, f folks from other states. Um, we just talked to a, a young woman from uh, West Virginia um, a couple of weeks ago. They're thinking about it, the university there. The university's thinking about taking mm -hmm. on a program. So she was really interested in how we started and, you know, kind of what we did. What we did. And, you know, I asked her um, – I didn't really realize until I got into this business how – 
invaluable COAAA was and the multitude of resources that they have. Um, Franklin County Office on Aging, you mentioned, you know, um, we, they help us financially, as does COAAA, provides funding to us for different things. Um, so, you know, that in itself, they support, you know, different programs that we do. Um, but yes, to answer that question specifically, there, the Village to Village Network, a lot of times will have somebody reach out to us just because we've been at it, you know, the longest. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. How are people finding you? What is going on in the referral process that people are able to find you um, and get more information about your program? Is it word of mouth? Is it just people who find out from a friend, relative? I would think Nesterly would be a little harder to find than even the villages. You know, Nesterly is is kind of interesting. So we are, um, we do try to get out in the community and give presentations and talk to neighborhood groups. Um, I think that there is value in hearing about that particular platform and service from a real life person um, who is standing in front of you who also has a phone number that you can call if you have a question, right? It is a web-based service, but we also provide that human touch and that that human support. Um, so some of it is through that type of, um, you know, community education and outreach. Um I do think a fair amount of it is word of mouth. We also see um, people who will find out about it through um, the Aging and Disability Resource Network, which COAAA is a part of. Um, so sometimes that is, you know, someone who has either called, again, that main front door phone number at COAAA, um, or they might be involved in another another program or another resource, and they'll find out about it that way. I get a fair number of calls, too, again, from Franklin County. The Office on Aging does really incredible work. Um, sometimes from different healthcare providers, right? I, I hear from a lot of different people. Um, I think with Nesterly, it's a good thing to think about earlier rather than later. So it's a great way to kind of enhance your experience of living at home independently rather than, you know, waiting. If, if something is already precarious, it makes Nesterly a tougher fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can think about it Again, early on and just as a way to kind of, um, you know, add some extra oomph, both both financially and socially uh, to kind of your daily lived experience. I think that's the best time for folks to find us. Um, common inflection points that we see might be, um, again, when, when kids have moved away to college, um, when somebody retires, mm-hmm. um, and often when someone becomes a widow, those are those are some common inflection points where people start to think, what what might it be like to have somebody else mm-hmm. living here? Is is Nesterly only Franklin County? It is not. So we've oh. got, um, I believe, it is a fifty mile radius um, out from uh, out from Columbus. So um, we've it pretty safely covers that the same eight county region that COAAA covers. Okay, that's good to know because they're. Um, just you don't have to be in the middle of the city. No, it could be somebody who is a little farther out, but they're going to school somewhere, mm-hmm. and there isn't a lot of housing on some of the smaller campuses. Yeah, most of the places where we have seen the listings actually come up on the map, those do tend to be Columbus, but we've also seen Delaware, we've seen mm-hmm. Reynoldsburg, we've seen Grove City, so we do see it kind of spreading. Um, out through Central Ohio, which we love to see. Nice. Nice. So, Donald, do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, how are people finding you? Yeah, so I think we're pretty much word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of outreach, you know, in in clubs. Listen, anybody who will agree to give me a cup of coffee (laughs) and let me stand up for 10 minutes, I'm I'm there for you. but I think that, you know, the we are so underexposed, you know. There's so much opportunity out there for people to know more about these programs. Um, I talked to a new um, couple the other day who, who joined the organization. They were like, you know, we heard about this like when you started and, but then we just really didn't think. I, I talked to 
I talked to my friends and they said, you know, you really should do that. And so we thought we'd give you a call. And I'm like, okay, well, they're 89 and 90 years old. <laughs> okay, you know, br- bring it on. I talked to a couple the other day that were 91 and 92 and they said, you know what? We're just not there yet. Okay, <laughs> just not there yet. And I'm like, okay, well, when you are, here's my card, you know. Um, so I think it's a, I think, um, the, I think a lot of the hesitation and, and people's resistance is they're not ready because they think that means they're giving up something. Right. Okay. Sure. Their kids have already taken their car keys away from them. Um, and they've told them they need to be moving stuff you know, around in the house and getting rid of stuff and whatever. And that's the worst thing you can do to somebody. You know, this is your life. This is everything that that means something to you. So, um, you know, it's that it's a hard thing to do. It's I, a hard I, thing. I to just do. love that. I did not there you yet. Envision a ninety-year-old person saying, "Just not there yet." Yeah, mm-hmm. just not there. I, I love that. That that's so positive. That's like we've got five, six years well, before we need to even think about using you guys. Well, Brett, so I, good. I, mean, I, it, you I sh- know, it is. No, but I just, yeah. I shared with Brett when I came in, my, I, I am very blessed. My parents are both 91 years old and they live independently. And my dad's still driving. Don't even think about taking his car keys away from him. But they're like, oh yeah, no, we're fine. We don't need anybody. We mm-hmm. don't need any help. I, I have a, a like a second mom who lives was living an independent living. When she first got there, she was, you know, she was going strong, driving all over the place. So you have the 89, 90, 91-year-old driving the 95-year-old. <laughs> You're like, oh my God. <laughs> my my great aunt, uh, well into her mid nineties, used to to make the rounds to the nursing facility in my hometown to check in on the old people, oh, no, old who, people. who were often fifteen or twenty years younger than she right, was at right. the time. You know, yeah. th- this is the greatest generation we're talking about, and we can only hope that we are in the same spot that they are. I mean, because they're they're uh, doing okay. Oh my god! It, it's with when. Let's go back a little bit to. People finding you. I, so I was thought thought you were going to say, well, it's a, a small community. We can pretty much reach out to everybody. Not necessarily because not really. the, the population is not necessarily connected on social media. That's true. And everything else is expensive. It is expensive. And it's just, you know, I think it's hard sometimes to – the concept, I think it's hard to wrap your arms around. Mm-hmm. Nesterly, what a wonderful concept, you know, but it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. The village, people driving me to the doctor all the time, yeah, I don't know, you know, I just don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Or, I mean, Eleanor next door, she goes and gets our groceries for us. You know, I, I think about, like, as a child, we had a couple that lived across the street from us, and, you know, the Browns never raked their leaves, they never shoveled snow, my mom was a woman way ahead of her time. She drove a car back then, and she always took her to the grocery store. So, you know, I was living village life as a child, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not understanding what was going on around me. I think the challenge today, and I know this isn't directly answering your question, but neighborhoods are so transient. Mm-hmm. It isn't like it used to be. You know, people just stayed in a neighborhood. And then you look at, we're here in German Village, you know, it's constantly changing. Um, and I think that's the best we can do is get people to think about the neighbors helping neighbors concept. Right. And getting our folks who are who could benefit from the program mm-hmm. to buy into that neighbors helping neighbors. Does the churn of people moving in and out of German Village and, and the other areas, does that affect your volunteer base? It actually hasn't. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, we're not unlike, we're all looking for volunteers. It doesn't matter where you are today, but um, it, it really doesn't. It seems like people, once they're, once they're with you, they're there. They're there. Good. good. Okay. Which is in reinforcing it. Good. Right. Right. Well, there hasn't been a guest for our podcast since COVID that hasn't talked about how their programs, how their business have gone through dramatic changes because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give us some examples of what worked well, what changed, and of course, any tips on new services coming to your programs, Donald? Yeah. You know. 
One of the things I'm most proud of that we did during COVID was we had what we called porch parties. And ours were driveway parties. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it just we we would gather three or four people max. Whoever we could put on a porch or a patio or whatever, socially distanced, masked and whatever, and we would pull them together at somebody's house and um you know, have a little refreshments and whatever. And I can tell you taking picking the members up and taking them there was one thing. Taking them home, my heart was smiling because they were they had smiles on their face and just to see them chitter chattering and whatever. You know, we made every attempt, as I said earlier, to call our members once a week. Um, we had Zoom calls, we had just, you know, regular telephone calls. We did the porch parties. Our volunteers were putting together cookie packets or little things or, you know, some of the other um, CO AAA was providing us with things that we could put in little bags. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to monthly drop something off. Um, but that was probably, it was a really challenging year because I'm very happy to tell you we did not shut down operations because we decided that's when they needed us the most. We weren't taking them to medical appointments, but there were more prescriptions. There was more grocery shopping. There were the touch points, you know. Um, out of COVID came a program that we're doing now. Um, we call it Supper Club. And once a month, as we're grocery shopping and picking up all these 950 milligram pre-made dinners that they're buying, we're thinking, gosh, could we get a healthy meal into them at least once a month? So we have a, um, a committee that meets. They decide on a menu. It's all healthy food. We have volunteers cook the food. We package it. Other volunteers take it out and deliver it. We're actually starting this month a partnership with the Ohio Poultry Association, um, and they're going to do brunch one Saturday a month where, again, they're going to feed our volunteers that, that deliver, and they're going to prepare. They're going to pay for everything, and then we'll take that out. And we have, we have more people signed up for this brunch thingy than we do our monthly dinners. So. Well, the Poultry Association has to watch where they move their offices. That's they true. moved in German Village, so you're going to knock on the door. That's right. Well, <laughs> well and Jim Shakaris, who's exactly. the, the his mom happens to be a member, so there we might have an in there. there. Might have an in there. Jim's a good guy. Yes, he is. Too, yeah. But yeah. I see that as another opportunity yeah. for us to really yeah. um, be partnering with the community mm -hmm. and and the community serve its neighbors serving neighbors. Right. 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 Yeah. right. <laughs> And meanwhile, for the for the Nesterly side of things, you know, our our COVID response was pretty different. Um, right during, particularly that first year, um, you know, the the operations stayed up, and it remained an option for folks who were interested in that. Um, we had a few hosts actually early on who were specifically interested in. Um, finding and helping if there were any international students who weren't able to get home that they wanted to offer their their space That's as a potential nice. mm. um you know living arrangement for them so we you know we also definitely saw the the community kind of band together um, I think that one of the innovations that was developed in response to COVID that Nesterly has kept to this day um, is the addition of video conferencing mm. to their chat software. <clears throat> so if someone is interested on either the host or guest side, the very first way that you are um, communicating with that person is um, kind of within the Nesterly service. So you're either typing a message to them or you can arrange a time to do a video chat and kind of, you know, even if you're not in person, at least get some of that face-to-face -face communication. Um, and so that was something that, that um, you know, added a value long-term as well. So they've been able to keep that. Great. Great. You know, <clears throat> and I say this every time in every one of our episodes, the time goes so fast and we get so much wonderful information from our guests. But um, I think that we also hear some incredible parting ideas and tips from all of our guests, too, to our audience. So 
if there's something that we haven't talked about or something that you really want to get across or just a really important message that you want to make sure the audience hears. Yeah, I would say that aging is definitely a privilege, and it's a privilege that not everyone gets to take part in. And so I think that we owe it to our more experienced neighbors to provide them the opportunity to stay connected, active, and independent. Yeah, that was incredible. I actually... uh... (laughs) Kind of, kind of re- regret my spot in the lineup here, but I'll, I'll give it a whirl. Uh, that is, that, that's a tough one. That's a tough to act to follow. Yeah. Yes, Very good. Um, you know, I, for me, and you know, in thinking and talking about Nesterly and home sharing, you know, I would like to reiterate that it is a win, win, win. So it is a win for the host who's earning that additional income. Um, it is a win for the, the guest who's getting that reduced rent, that more flexible kind of lease agreement. Um, socially, it is a win for both of them. But really, the community at large also benefits from, from the intergenerational home sharing. So um, we know that intergenerational programming reduces ageism. Again, for both older and younger people, we see less ages less internalized ageism as a result from that intergenerational programming. Um, And it can also help reduce aging anxiety. Um, So something that we didn't get to talk to because there's so much uh, to cover in a short period of time, but I think is really, um, you know, invaluable to the work that the villages are doing um, are this idea of um, this idea of confidence and, and not having kind of internalized ageist beliefs about yourself has outsized impact on your, again, both your mental health, but also your your physical health and well-being. Um, and so, you know, if Nesterly can be a vehicle for people to get to those intergenerational mm-hmm. connections and to kind of reduce that friction of internalized ageism, um, we just love to see that continue to grow. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I'd well, say you did very well. I, would, I, was gonna say. I would say that was an excellent <laughs> response. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to both of you for being a part of the podcast. We really appreciate it. You know, listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget to check out the show notes. We're going to have contact information for both our guests, resources that we talked about, and we'll have the resources on our website too, lookingforwardourway.com. And we're looking forward to hearing your feedback on this or any of our podcast episodes.